Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. That is right, it's Fantasy Football Frenzy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. On this lovely Sunday, I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by the always wonderful George Kurtz. George, how are you? Is my man George there? I am here. I am here. Look at that. Uh, might be nice if I take my uh, mic off mute, huh? Uh, I'm okay. I'm, uh, I'm dealing with a summer cold, uh, but I'm, I'm getting better. You know, I'm like a hockey player. Uh, I, I returned. I'm here. So if I sound a little nasally, now you know why. Well, George, as always, a, a true hero, an MVP, going out there playing through injury. This is going to be, maybe it'll be your flu game. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the episode goes, the show goes. My flu game. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, so, George, I don't know how much you just caught of uh, what Mike and I were doing on uh, Fantasy Sports today, but we really just went through the AFC East in-depth. So I'm going to carry a lot of it over because there were a lot of questions that uh, that still remain after it, a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, so let, let, let's just kind of start at the top because well, we were talking about the Pats, and I think the most interesting thing uh, for them are the running back position and the wide receiver position. Running back is figuring out who's going to be the guy wide receiver figuring out Edelman's absence and also who's going to step up. Let's start with the wide receivers. Because maybe the most interesting thing that I found is I was prepping for that AFCE show. 200 targets walked out the door when Cooks was traded and Amendola signed elsewhere. Tom Brady threw the ball more times than any quarterback in the league last year at 581. I do not anticipate that changing much. There's going to be a lot of targets to go around. So with 200 targets up for grabs, plus the fact that you know Edelman's going to be missing four games, how can we assess Chris Hogan or Jordan Matthews? Because there's a lot of opportunity there now left on the table for those guys. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question because do you trust anybody? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I mean, Hogan is now the outside receiver, but He's not. He's not Brandon Cooks. You know, he's not going to blow by defenses or be wide open all that often. The slot guy is probably Jordan Matthews now, but he struggled. You know, with Philadelphia, struggled with Buffalo. You know, you don't have Wes Welker. You don't have Edelman. Not for four games anyway. And you don't have Amendola. So you don't have that little guy that Brady likes to throw to to get those first downs on third and four, third and three. Malcolm Mitchell is he going to be healthy enough to play on the uh, the opposite end? You know, we'll, we'll wait to see for that. Uh, Dorsett, Kenny Britt, these guys have always. I guess they've had semblances of goodness at some point in their careers, but have never been very consistent. Quintero Paz is probably more of a return man than anything else. I wonder, and, and it's always a, a gamble to wonder anything with the Bill Belichick offense, but is it going to become more tight end crazy? Go with double tight ends, Gronkowski and Dwayne Allen, a lot of throws to both of them. I mean, Gronkowski's always, always going to get his targets anyway, but does it become even more so with maybe Dwayne Allen picks up some of these targets, at least during the first four games while Edelman is out as he's... Uh, his appeal was denied, which we all pretty much knew it would be. So he will be out the first four games. And then it gets back to a more normal New England offense after that. And then trying to figure out the running games. I mean, Bill Belichick taking a running back first round. I did not see that. It's just more that Belichick just hates fantasy. He truly does. So I can throw <laughs> as, many, as many monkeys to the wrench as he possibly can here. I mean, Sonny Michelle, Burkhead, White, Hill, Gillisley, Bolden. I mean, they won't all make the team. Yeah, you know, I don't know if Gillespie even makes it. I don't know if Jeremy Hill makes it. But for the ones that do, it's like any given week, it could be this guy. This guy could be the guy. I mean, I'll draft Sonny Michelle ahead of all of them, but I don't say that with any amount of confidence. Hmm. Julian Edelman then becomes really interesting to me. We, we talked about it briefly last time we did Fantasy Sports Today together. Uh, the idea of, of could he get out of that four-game suspension? He did not. 
How did that impact your rankings? Because your rankings are up right now on RotoExperts.com, part of the Fantasy Edge exclusive package, uh, getting everybody ready for the season. So make sure you do go check that out. Um, how much did that four-game suspension, let's start there, impact where you place Edelman? Well, assuming PPR, so assuming yeah. you're in a PPR league, if he wasn't suspended, he'd be wide receiver too. Right? I don't think there's much denying that. Uh, touchdowns may have been a little bit more difficult to come by, but you already said how many targets he, this guy would have had. He would have caught a, a truckload of balls. All right, so now he suspended four games. Pretty much a third of your fantasy regular season. That's what he's gone for, right? I mean, that, that's what, where, where he's going to lose for. So he certainly loses. A, he goes down a tier, at least. I can see you putting him down further. But what I like about him is now, uh, in a mock draft I just did, uh, this is an industry mock, I got him in uh, the 99th overall pick. Mm. You know, 12 teams, so what is that, round nine. And, you know, the way I look at it, well, now he's back. He's back. He'll, he'll cover my bye because he's back for week five, so he's going to cover all the bye weeks. And I, get, I can start him after that. You know, and I didn't, I didn't have to draft him. You know, so right now I have him as a wide receiver four, low, mid, mid-range wide receiver four. But if I can get him around that round eight, nine, ten, these are guys that I'm drafted that I'm not, I don't really, I'm not looking to start anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. Generally, you're talking about your, uh, your your fourth wide receiver, third or fourth running back. Maybe a flex guy is in here, but generally you're not looking to start these guys anyway. So I think Edelman's a nice bonus there. I'll take him at that range. I think he's going to come back. He'll be healthy. He'll get right back in this offense, and he'll be the man again as far as the targets. Uh, I guess if I start off 1-3 or 0-4, well, then it's a problem. But either way, I didn't draft him in round five, where now I'm going to mm-hmm. eat it for four weeks. I drafted him in round eight and round nine. Most of these guys in round eight and round nine, I'm not expecting to start for me anyway unless I have an injury. I think that that is a fantastic point. Like, if you start 0-4, it shouldn't be because of Julian Edelman because where you're currently getting him, he's not a starter anyway. So that means you messed up where you were picking your starters. Now, in, in terms of um, you know coming off that injury, Mike just mentioned it on the show, he now should be able to shake a lot of that rust, rust off and hit the ground running because he should be 100% when he comes back to the Patriots. And as I look through this, because 200 targets walked out that door with just two guys leaving and Cooks and Amendola, and because, well, Chris Hogan was good. I can't trust Chris Hogan to be a number one, and Jordan Matthews or Malcolm Mitchell, these guys haven't given me enough confidence that I would guarantee they are on the roster. I think I am ready to overpay for Julian Edelman. And maybe I would even take him as a wide receiver three range just to ensure that I have this guy because I'm thinking about this, George, and I'm looking at it. And if I set the over-under... At 96 and a half targets, I think I might take that over. And that would be over eight targets a game through the 12 games that he would play. I think that this guy could still get up to 100 targets on this season, this season despite only playing those 12 games. It certainly wouldn't shock me, you know, that if he gets 100 targets. When I started talking about the hardest schedule for New England, sure. I mean, I make the joke. I mean, they, they really don't have a... When, when's the next important game? In my mind, it's the <laughs> divisional playoffs. Yeah. You know, because they, they're going to win with division. They always do. The division's terrible. It hasn't gotten any better. Maybe in the future with all the young quarterbacks, it'll get better, but it really hasn't. They'll win with division, probably have a home playoff game, maybe be the, uh, <clears throat> the home team in the AFC. So the next important game is the divisional playoffs. You know, so uh, but the point of that is they play a lot of weak teams. They're going to have the ball a lot on offense. You already st- stated it. Brady threw, threw the ball 541 times last year. Maybe he's not quite that high this year because you have Sony Michelle a better running game. Well, what are we talking about here? 500 times instead of 541? He's still going to throw the ball a ton. I think my biggest worry about the Patriots is probably not so much what Edelman does. I think his numbers will be his numbers. And what I mean by that is he'll be fine. Once he's playing, he'll be what he always is. My biggest worry probably is the offensive line. Mm. What? If Brady doesn't have enough time to throw, you know, you lost Nate Soldi. You really didn't replace, do a lot to replace these guys there. And at times last year, that was a worry. And now I do worry. I wonder this year if, if that could be a bigger problem. Yeah, I think that that's a totally valid point. But, and now another person that I look at that could be impacted by all of this is Rob Gronkowski. Obviously, just because he plays tight end, he still obviously is involved in the passing game. Uh, and his targets and his numbers certainly could go up with Edelman's four-game absence. And again, the, the the rest of the guys around him just not being all that good. Your current rankings have him as a late second-round pick. That's where he's projected to go in a lot of places. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if you are a, a guy who typically waits on tight end, but could this be a situation where you're willing to get Gronk in that late second round, maybe even middle second round, because 
the possibility of him having a career year, it feels like it's on the table. I am generally I am a, a wait and see on tight ends, mm-hmm. and I won't have Gronk in the second round. But in that mock that I was talking about, because of what, what you're mentioning here, because I do wonder if this is the year where it's just all filtered through Gronk because of what's going on there with Elman. Uh, and even though the, the offensive line short throws over the middle, I took Gronk in the second round of that mock mm-hmm. just to see what my team would look like if I went in this direction. And I got to tell you, I, I, I liked it. I didn't mind what the team looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to get it. It helped that I got Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. I had a top pick, so that was yeah. uh, made things a little easier. I don't know if I would have done that if, let's say, I didn't have a top running back. If I got, you know, my, I don't know, my first pick in the first round was ninth, and I ended up with, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, the top wide receiver, not a top running back because they were all taken. Then I might not have gone this direction. Yeah, but the fact that I got Ezekiel Elliott in round one allowed me, okay, you know, Gronk was there. I guess it was uh, 22 overall. Let's take Gronk, see what this team looks like here. And I, I did like it. So I think in that scenario, you could talk, I could do it. I could follow that in a, a live draft. But I, like I said, if I didn't have a running back round one, if I don't take one in round two, I'm probably pretty screwed. And I'm, I'm pretty much going with zero running back strategy or a lot of mud on the walls. I'm hoping these guys hit, and I don't like doing that. Uh, so generally, I do wait on tight ends. But uh, as I said, in this scenario, it worked out well for me. And I liked what my team looked like in Gronk at the end of round two with a good running back in round one. So I joined a uh, best ball last last night on the on the draft app, and the the player who was picking on the turn one twelve two one actually took Gronk at two one. Now that is rich for my blood. I know it's too rich for your blood, of course, as to what you just said. But to a degree, I understand it. The big thing that does concern me with Gronk is all of the opportunity. You don't need Edelman to miss games. You don't need Brandon Cooks and Amendola to leave to tell people that Gronk is the best tight end option. It's the health. So if I am going to be willing to take him within the first two rounds, that would be the concern. And I like the scenario, though, that you did just lay out there. If you have one of the first three picks in this draft and you come away with Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, or Ezekiel Elliott, if, you have, you know, if you're able to add one of those guys, then taking Gronk within the final three picks of round two you're going to be able to then still get a really good player at the, the, the come around in the beginning of round three. And I think a lot of people, if you start seeing how that looks in mock traps, will come away pleasantly surprised. Something along the lines of Ezekiel. Who did you end up with that third uh, pick in that draft in the third round? Yeah, I think what you're describing is, uh, is perfect. And what I mean by that is this is why you do mocks. Yeah. To, to test out strategies, different strategies, to get an idea of what your team's going to look like. And now, granted, things can be thrown askew if you get you know, a 12-team uh, thing and half the league is doing strategies, okay, then the, the draft is thrown off a little bit. But if not, you're going to get a pretty good idea what your team's going to look at in that league. Now, in the, my third overall pick was a wide receiver. I don't remember it offhand, but it was a wide receiver. Uh, oh, no, I take it back. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, I think I took Derrick Henry in round four. No, there was Derrick Henry in round three, Darius Geis in round four. I went... Uh, I went running back crazy. I took three of my first four picks from running backs. Hmm. Uh, but but even then, there some guys that could be on the board. Maybe uh, perhaps you you could look at Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, or uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, or maybe even someone slips. Maybe somehow uh, you end up seeing Keenan Allen there. That would be quite a fall. But you never know. Like that is something that I think people need to keep in mind. Now on the running back situation for New England, we've talked about this before, and it is likely going to be the same conversation of we don't know, we don't know because it's Bill, but because he was willing to spend that first round pick on a running back in Sony Michelle, is this the most that you have been willing to take a Patriots running back early-ish? Is this the, the most that you can say, okay, they clearly have confidence in him, so let me have that same confidence? I was surprised that uh, New England took Sonny Michel. Yeah. Certainly surprised. Didn't see that coming. And it does make you think, okay, is Bill turning a leaf here? You know, as he realize Brady's getting up there, maybe we have to have a more balanced offense, keep teams guessing a little bit. Or it's just another, you know, like I said, another monkey for the circus. You know, where we're going to have, uh, <laughs> now you have another you have five running backs now. You know, hey, you know, let's see what's you know, it's going to be still a week to week thing. Well, whichever guy I think is going to give us the best chance to win, that's the guy that plays. And maybe Sonny Michelle this week, maybe Rex Burkhead next week. Uh, is it, is it going to be where Sonny Michelle is a twenty to twenty guy, but it's still Burkhead at the goal line? Yeah, you know, James, James White catch the ball in the backfield. Do they all have a role? So, I like Sonny Michelle. I like the talent, 
But if you're asking me, am I going to draft him where he probably would, would get drafted on other teams? No, I'm not going to trust Bill Belichick. No, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's almost fantasy suicide to trust Bill Belichick. According to Fantasy Pros, currently he's the 24th running back off the board. So right there, the cutoff as an RB2 could fall. Perhaps you end up getting him as an RB3. 55th player off the board. So he, he is going in, in the earlier rounds. Uh, Mike was talking about it on the other show, saying that if you ended up going no uh, RB strategy, and then you start and you add someone like a Sony Michelle, that's something that he could see himself doing. He thinks that that could then end up being uh, the play for a guy like Sony Michelle. And, and I think what you mentioned there is really, though, my biggest concern with him. I do think he ends up being uh, the running back on this team that ends up with the most touches by season's end. I feel pretty confident about that. But him being the leading touchdown man uh, for this running back group, I have no confidence in. That's not to say he's not capable of it, but they love Rex Burkett on the goal line last year. Adored him, whether it be running the football or catching it. Jeremy Hill, as much as Jeremy Hill has been up and down, we know that he has been really, really good on the goal line. And who knows, even if a James White gets involved, Mike Gillisley's a guy that was good a while back in Buffalo. And, and you did mention it. Not all of these guys are going to make it. But you could talk yourself into any of them making it. So it is, it is really difficult if you're drafting today to confidently take a Patriots running back as early as you would have to with Sony Michelle. We'll talk more about this as we come back. We're going to break down some more of these AFC East teams and the fantasy questions surrounding them here on the Fantasy Football Frenzy Show. We're back right after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Sean Angle giving me the, the cue in rhythm to the song. Absolutely love that. Kevin Walsh back here alongside George Kurtz on Fantasy Football Frenzy. So, George, let me ask you about the New York Jets because there is something that uh, we talked about with Brian Costello when we had him as a guest on, uh, on the program uh, about Isaiah Crowell because he's a guy that they, that they have brought in here and he feels like he is in a position to be the guy in that backfield. And uh, perhaps things are crowded with Bilal Powell back there. Perhaps there could be some type of split. You currently have him uh, in PPR as your 39th running back. On Fantasy Pros, he is typically the 37th running back off the board. So uh, quite similar, 94th overall player according uh, to Fantasy Pros. Isaiah Crowell, to me, when I'm looking at some of the guys around him, it feels like he should be getting more targets. For you, what is the concern with Isaiah Crowell that would have you lower on him than perhaps the guy that could have his projected volume typically would be? Well, I think there's two concerns about uh, Crowell. And by the way, in that mock draft, I ended up with him too, uh, (laughs) much later on. This is the George uh, mock draft show. Pretty much, yeah. It's funny, you know, plays I keep uh, grabbing. I think I have two concerns about uh, about Isaiah Crowell, not really so much the talent. I think he's a talented running back. I mean, he's not, you know, Elliot Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, one of those guys, but he has some talent. But my first worry is that, you know, that entire Jets backfield, once again, who's playing where? Bilal Powell, still the pass catching back. I think Bilal Powell gets a bad rap, by the way. I think he can do more, but the Jets won't give him. Elijah McGuire, he had moments last season. Thomas Rose had moments as well with Seattle. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. You know, I think Crow, Crow is still the lead dog there, but still a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Other worry is this. When does Sam Donald start? 
Mm. Week two, week four, eight, ten, next season, three years from now, when does he start? When he does, <laughs> you have to think that running game takes a hit. You know, it's not going to be as good. Uh, but, you know, Donald may be ready to start for the Jets, but defenses aren't going to give him that kind of respect. They look, look to stop the running game, make him beat them. Maybe he can. Everybody backs off. Maybe he can't. Mm. You know, and the Jets' wide right, receiver core isn't exactly scaring, uh, you know, putting fear into the hearts of their opponents either. So those are my two worries. As I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't mind taking the player. I just don't want him starting for me. I think that's fine. I, and I'm just looking at some of, the, some of the names that you have ahead of him. Uh, C.J. Anderson, Rex Burkhead, Carlos Hyde, Theo Riddick, Marlon Mack. Uh, I, I look at those guys, and I would project Crowell to out touch them by maybe not a huge margin, but I think a, a comfortable margin. Now, do, do you fall in line with that? Because maybe it's, it's more so that you see Bilal Powell as the threat, or do you feel more confident in what you're going to get out of some of those guys that I just listed? All right, I think uh, C.J. Anderson. I think C.J. Anderson's a better Jonathan Stewart, and John Stewart had an okay year, scored some touchdowns. I think C.J. Anderson will do as well. He'll be the between the tackles runner. McCaffrey will be the outside guy. Mm. It's annoying that Cam Newton will steal touchdowns from you, but <laughs> C.J. Anderson I think has value. He'll, he'll yeah. score. He'll score some touchdowns. Uh, Marlon Mack. He's a guy. I'll be honest with you, Kevin. I'm all over the place with him. I think he has talent, but I have no idea how Indianapolis is going to use him. You know, if if he was the guy there, I think he could do some damage. I think, he, like I said, he's a uh, I don't want to use the term game breaker. That makes you sound like a superstar. But he's a guy who can he can take the ball to the house at almost any time. The problem is I don't think he's built to be certainly not built to be a three down back. You know, now Turbin's got suspended. Is it going to be Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, a combination, all three? We don't know here. So that's my issue here. Almost the same problem as Crowell has. Just too many cooks in the kitchen. The only difference is, you know, Mac Hines and Wilkins are in some way they're all the same kind of running back here. So that's my concern with him. Uh Hyde. I I don't think Cleveland would have ever drafted uh, oh, I should say, I, I don't think Cleveland would have signed Hyde had they known they were going to draft Chubb. Because, you know, once again, I think, I think Hyde's pretty much one and done with Cleveland, then he'll be a free agent again. You got Chubb, they're the same kind of back. You, don't, you didn't need the guy. You just re-signed Duke Johnson, too. We know he's more of a third down back there. And it, this is also the problem with fantasy, by the way. You just throw out these names here, these teams. So many teams, there's so many more that have three, four running backs yeah. that you got to figure out. I mean, and, and this is why the Ezekiel Elliott's, the Bells, Johnson's, Gurley's, these, this, this is why these guys are so valuable at the top of your draft because they're the sole guy. You don't have to worry about anybody else. When you get down, even the second round on, you have to worry about everybody else and trying to figure out which guy is the main guy. What do you want? Do you want the 20-20 to 20 guy with safe points, guy who's going to get, as you say, the most touches and get you 80 yards? Do you want the touchdown guy? The guy who may only get eight touches, you know, 31 yards, but get that touchdown to bring up the nine points. Do you want the, uh, if you're a PPR, do you want the pass catcher? Who's going to get, you know, he's going to rush the ball four times or 18 yards, catch four passes for 28 yards, and, you know, you pray he gets a touchdown. It's a mess in fantasy, which is why, you know, come to the end of my draft, uh, I start loading up on running backs. You know, if you're going to take dartboard throws, take it on running backs. Running backs are going to get hurt. Take the backups. Maybe you'll get lucky. And, uh, you know, if the starter gets hurt, your guy goes. I don't necessarily go with the handcuff strategy mm. because I think – you know, back when I first started playing, I, I did. You know, back in the 80s, 90s, because that was, uh, you know, you had one main back, he went down, great, the handcuff takes over. In this day and age, I just said it. <laughs> you know, they, there is no handcuffs for a lot of these guys. Yeah. You, you want the next best back. You know, the next best back that's available, because these guys are going to get points week in and week out anyway, because all these running backs play. Nobody's getting 25, 30 touches a game anymore. There are no more Emmett Smiths. You know, no more Barry Sanders. That, that's, that's gone. You know, they don't. Nobody believes these guys can take that kind of pounding anymore and last very long. So uh, I load up on running backs. And all the guys you mentioned, they're all going to be taken. But they're going to drive you nuts each and every week. One week they're going to have, you know, 14 points. The next week they're going to have four. Yeah, and I think that might be the one reason why a guy like Crow would interest me. Because of all of those guys, he looks like the one, I, I, I think, that to me, that would have the best chance of consistency. And I guess you, it depends who you are. When you're at that point, when you're drafting your fourth, your fifth running back, do you want consistency, a guy that if I need him during a bye week, I can plug him in. If there's an injury, I can just kind of figure it out. I can have him hold down the fort. Or are you, are you looking for upside uh, at that point in the draft? Are, are you hoping that somehow Chris Thompson becomes the man in Washington if uh, all of a sudden, you know, Darius Geis wasn't there? Because you know that Thompson already has a confirmed role. What, what is it? 
that you're looking for. And maybe that's where, you know, people have to find that balance. For, for you, George, do you find yourself, as you're taking these shots on running backs, are you looking more potential or more consistency, or are you kind of trying to divide that up evenly? I'm generally a conservative drafter. Okay. You know, so you're not going to see me take too many chances. But let's say I drafted Devonta Freeman in round two or three, whatever, wherever you want to put him. I, I drafted Devonta Freeman. I'm worried. You know, I like the talent, but I, there's no way, no way in hell I think he plays 16 games. He's dealing with too many concussion problems. Running backs lead with their head. So now I want Tevin Coleman. But the problem is Tevin Coleman's a pick in his own right. He's not a handcuff. So people are going to take him around seven, eight-ish anyway because he has value. But now I want to make sure I get him because I want to make sure I have a running back each week. You know, I, I, I would consider almost Freeman and Coleman one guy. When Freeman goes out, fine. Now I got Coleman. I'm covered there. So I would probably – I'll know where Freeman's ADP – I'm um, sorry, Coleman's ADP is. And let's just say for, you know, Giggles, it's round eight. Well, then I'll know starting round six, I got to think about it. You know, and I – it's either I'm taking him round six or round seven. I'm not going to wait till round eight. Mm. I'm not going to hope I get him. If someone ends up taking him in round five, well, what am I going to do? All right, someone really bit the gun there. You know, or someone really believes Freeman's going out early. Nothing I can do. But I'll take him a round or two early. That's how I approach things with all, all these kinds of guys. I generally, when in doubt, I want the touchdown guy. Yeah. You know, if I'm positive he's the touchdown guy, I want the touchdown guy. That's, that's the easier point. Six points, 60 yards is just easier to get the touchdown. You can look at the offense as well. You know, uh, how good is the offense? Are they liable to get a lot of touchdowns? Are they, they going to uh, you know, sputter a lot? A lot of field goals going on there? Uh, that'll play a part in it as well. But when in doubt, I tend to look at the touchdown guy. So uh, this Jets wide receiving I look at it as I think it's a little bit underrated because I think there's a lot of guys there that you can find value in. I guess the question becomes who and how much, right? Like, is this receiving core perhaps uh, better set up for success uh, in the real, you know, to, to help this team as opposed to help you win fantasy, uh, fantasy weeks? So let's start here. If you're a fantasy owner or as a fantasy player, who are you preferring to have at quarterback? McCown or Darnold? I think you want McCown, you know, uh, as for fantasy. Uh, I think it makes sense for the Jets to put Darnold in there as soon as they think he's ready. That's that's NFL-wise, you know, because the reason is simple. We don't know what Darnold can be. We don't. I mean, we'll we'll have a better idea in preseason when you see him actually play against live competition, Mm. you know, see what he can do here. But I assume he'll, you know, everybody always remembers the quarterbacks that hit it big from day one. You know, the Matt Ryans, the Ben Roethlisberger, the guy, Deshaun Watson last year. I, I get it. But most of these quarterbacks don't hit it from day one. You know, it, it takes time here. So you want the veteran McCown, who you know can move the offense. He's had some good moments. He's not going to score 40 points a game, but he's a threat behind there. And more importantly, defenses have to play it square. They can't put eight men in the box. They can't play two deep safeties or else uh, you know, they'll get beat by the run game. So I think I want McCown. You know, this way they'll, they'll play it more legit, and I'll be able to get a better read on the offense there. I do worry, you know, we talk about the Jets, we talk about bad teams. Uh, maybe you don't want the running game because you're worried about, you know, they'll be down by 10, 13 points in the second half. And that sort of takes that running game out of it, right? That makes Crowell a lot less valuable, you know, because that means Powell actually, would, his value would increase because they'll have to throw the ball a lot and he'll catch more balls out of the backfield. So I look at that as well. It's a smaller part of what I look at, but it is what I look at. So I think fantasy-wise, you want McCown unless you believe Sam Donald's the next, you know, big thing is going to go there, throw the ball over the place, going to make the Jets competitive. Yeah, I think that I might lean a little bit more towards Darnold because I think it would provide the offense with a bit higher upside uh, as a whole, but that could certainly backfire, right? And that and that's maybe the conversation that we were just having about running backs, where it's potential uh, versus consistency. Like, there's probably a baseline of production you could guarantee if the quarterback ends up being McCown. Um, the heights are probably not as high as Darnold, but neither uh, the lows won't be as low. The one thing Mike did mention, and I think that he was spot on with this, if you draft Robbie Anderson, you got to be hoping that it ends up being Josh McCown because those two certainly look like they built a really nice uh, rapport with one another last season. Oh, I don't think there's any argument there. If you draft Robbie Anderson, you got to be careful. I would assume a suspension of some sort is coming. It's two games, four games. I don't think it'll be anything more than four, but I would assume he gets suspended at some point. Uh, we never know with Cadell of what he's going to do, and truly never never really know. But I think he's going to get suspended at some, at some point. Uh, so I'll, I'll take that into account as well. But, yeah, if you have Robbie Anson, you certainly – I think if you want – really, 
I, I'm gonna. I go the opposite. I think if you want anybody, anybody in the passing game, you want McCown to be the quarterback mm. for as long as possible. That being said, I don't think there's any way in hell that Donald sits the whole season. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think he's playing at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I think there's a very, very real chance that he ends up being their Week One starter. And 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 uh, you know, Brian Costello came on and said to us that that's kind of what the Jets want to happen. Uh, you know, all the time we hear about these quarterbacks going. In round one, that's all oh, they're going to sit a year behind this guy. They're going to sit a year behind this guy. The last quarterback that was picked in the first round that ended up not playing in their first year was Aaron Rodgers. So that, as much as we say it, that never ends up being the case. But now with the Jets, it doesn't even seem like they're really angling towards, oh, yeah, we'd like for him to sit a little bit behind McCown. And if we're forced to put Darnold in, we're forced to it. I think that they do want him to be the starter. And I would say this, and I don't know if you would agree, if he does end up winning the job, that has to be a good sign, no? As opposed to coming in week four because McCown's not getting it done. Oh, I would agree. If he, uh, if they start from week one, I, you have to trust the organization. I understand it's the Jets. Maybe it's a difficult <laughs> to do. But you have to, you have to trust they're doing the right thing. Because, listen, if I'm running the Jets, all right, I'm starting Donald when he's ready. If that's week one, so be it. If it's week four, so be it. I, the way I look at it is this, and I look at this with pretty much all these young quarterbacks, by the way, all throughout the league, not just the Jets. You can look at it with Cleveland, Buffalo, Arizona, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, same thing. You know these guys, or you're hoping they're your quarterback of the future. Now, I don't want to rush them in. I don't. But when they're ready, they play because I want to get all the, uh, oh, what do you want to call it, all the rookie errors or most of the rookie errors out of the way this year. I understand this year is probably a throwaway year. You know, for all these, all these teams, they're probably not making the playoffs. You know, but I want to get it out of the way this year. It's where they come into next year fresh, ready to go, ready to compete. You know, they won't make as many rookie mistakes next year. So that's the way I would look at it. My only, uh, my only caveat is, is, is really simple. I'm not rushing them. Yeah. I'm not throwing them in there because the fans want to see Sam Donald or Josh Allen, Josh Rosen in week one. I'm not doing that. I'm waiting until, in, in my mind, I truly believe Truly believe these guys are ready to play. They're ready. You can see it in practice. You can see their command of the offense. Yes, they're going to make mistakes. Everybody does, especially rookies. But they're ready to play. It's time to move on. Time to make that switch. Yeah, I, I think everything you said there is spot on. So let me ask you then about another receiver within this group. Uh, Terrell Pryor. Look, I said on the last show, and Mike vehemently disagreed, that if anybody of the group had the potential to be a number one wide receiver option, because, you know, you look at it, it looks like maybe it's a bunch of number twos, right? But maybe Terrell Pryor still has that within him to somehow be a number one option uh, on a team because of what we saw in Cleveland. And I know he was atrocious last year for the Redskins. But I think that still might be somewhere in him. Do you agree at all? Or do you feel like that is something that has completely passed us by and keep those expectations very low for Terrell Pryor? Well, if you're asking me, is there a chance? Sure, there's a chance. <laughs> Am I coming anywhere near banking on it? No. Uh, but you also talked to somebody who bit it last year with, uh, with Pryor. Mm. You know, I had him on a couple of teams. I thought he was going to be uh, really good in that Washington offense. I couldn't run the ball, throw the ball over the place. I thought he'd be really good, and I was really wrong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's, he's not going to get my love again this year. That's for damn sure. Um, listen, is I have no problem with drafting somebody – you know, most leagues are 16 round dra- drafts. 15 yeah. and 16, you're taking your kickers and you're taking your defense. You're taking him around 13, round 14? Sure. Why not? Most of the guys that are taking around 13, round 14 are mud against the wall guys. Let's see if something sticks. And those are also the first guys that are going to be let go for the hot guy in the wave war. So you sort of have nothing to lose. It's a shame he's come down to a nothing to lose category. Yeah. Because I do think the man has talent. Just didn't work out in Washington last year. I might be more enthralled with him, Kev, if he was on a, a team with a more legitimate quarterback. Okay. You know, if you went to you know Brady in New England, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, I might be like, oh, all right, this can work now. You know, if you went to you know Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, oh, this would be a different conversation. But with the Jets, I don't see them throwing the ball anywhere near enough, including when Donald comes around. So, uh, no, I, w- I don't think I'll have any shares of uh, of Mr. Price this year. But a lot of, some of that is definitely due to him screwing me over last year. Well, and I think part of the problem with, with Pryor is as much as I you know, might try and make the case that uh, he might still have the potential to be a number one guy in him, you easily can convince me he ends up being the fourth option of these wide receivers. He was that bad last year, and there still is talent 
uh, within these wide receivers quickly uh, of the four, if, if just based on the, on the value, who would you like the most to see on your rosters? I think based on value, not the best wide receiver, because yeah. that's really Robbie Anderson, but based on value, how about Quincy Anunua? Yeah, I agree. He's a guy some people are sort of forgetting about, right? Forget about this guy here. Uh, so Quincy Anunua is somebody I would look at as far as value, because somebody you probably get round nine, round ten. You know, not a starter for you. You back up your reserve guy. Anunua is somebody I, uh, I like as far as value. I, I, spot on. I, I completely agree. We come back. The Buffalo Bills got a really no interesting wide receivers, but we'll talk about him next year on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. on Fantasy Football Frenzy. And who wants to go to 2018 World Series game? Well, if you tune in to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th, which is right around the corner, a.k.a. today, and July 17th as well, we will be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. That is tuning in to this station between July 8th and July 17th. The number to play is 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-FNTSY. The contest is sponsored by DKMS. We're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. Now, while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, which is nearly 14,000 people each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That is dailyroto.com slash DKMS. The DKMS Trivia Challenge for your chance to go to the World Series is from July 8th through July 17th. So call in for your chance to win. Now, George, winning the Buffalo Bills. I don't see a lot of it happening uh, for them this year. But in terms of fantasy, the guy that everybody is going to have uh, to figure out would be LaShawn McCoy. He's obviously going to be picked within those first two rounds. Uh, I was starting to draft him a decent amount in some best balls. Uh, and then Mike scared the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. Just starting to talk about uh, the injury history plus that workload at his age. Maybe it's not the best thing. You can get excited about it. The fact that few running backs are going to see more touches than LaShawn McCoy. But can you really trust him to hold up for a full season, uh, and is that something that, I mean, you, you have to do all these rankings. How much can you factor that into LaShawn McCoy, this worry that he could be, that he could miss significant time? I, you know, when I think of McCoy, I don't necessarily uh, worry about him missing significant time. What annoys me about him is that he's always the guy who's questionable. We don't know if he's going to play at 1230 on Sundays. <laughs> That's what bothers me about McCoy. Every week. Right. And he's sort of got to make that decision. Okay, you, you, you're watching game day, whatever you're watching, trying to get some glimpses of him on the field. Is he running? Does he, does he look good? You know, you're, you're worried. It's sort of like a Jordan Reed problem. Mm. You know, you're worried about him. Okay, he, he wasn't inactive. You know, inactive is right at 1130. But... He may, he maybe he's not going to play a full complement of snaps. Maybe maybe they're going to sit him. They done that a couple of times. They end up decoying him. They don't make him an actor. They want the other team to think he's playing, and then he doesn't play. That's my problem with McCoy. You know, so I have him at number twelve overall. He's a guy. I mean, he has a lot of talent. We know that. Yes, a man can play. He he'll have some big games. But as you sort of hinted before the break, oh man, there's not much of a passing game here. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin, your number one. Yay, Zay Jones, who had an interesting offseason. Uh, yay, Jeremy Curley, Andre. I mean, there's just nothing here. Yeah, no matter who the quarterback is. You yeah. put Nathan Peterman in, it gets even worse. 
I mean, so teams are going to be, I mean, you're the you're defensive coordinator. What are you doing? I'm stopping McCoy. Yeah. Eight guys in the box. I'm forcing Peterman, McCarron, Josh Allen, Jim Kelly, Joe Ferguson, whoever <laughs> they want to bring out of retirement to beat me here. So I think that's that's my problem here, as I just don't – I'm just trying to play, be logical here. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm a big believer. If I was at D.C., I'm not letting the best player beat me. I'm not yeah. doing it, Kev. You know, if, if the Buffalo Bills are going to beat me, it's not because freaking LeSean McCoy ran for 150 yards and two touchdowns. It's going to be because some out of nowhere, McCarron threw for 310 yards and two, tu- and two touchdowns, three mm-hmm. touchdowns, whatever it is. So I'm taking McCoy out of the game. That's my issue with him. And, you know, maybe the the injury concerns are a little overhyped because of what you mentioned there, that it feels like he is uh, week to week every week. Because last year he played full, he played a full 16. year before that, played 15 games. Uh, in 2015, his first year in Buffalo, he played 12. But the two years before that, 2013 and 2014, he played full 16 again. So maybe the injury concerns are maybe not as uh, much as I was just laying out there. He is entering age 30, but didn't show really signs of slowing down last year. And you look at, look, he had 287 carries. He was targeted 77 times, caught 59 passes, uh, ended up with eight total touchdowns, over 1,500 yards for the season. He was awesome last year. He was absolutely terrific for this team. And I think there is a case to be made that the total number of touches, and again, we're, we're talking 300-plus touches for a guy, goes up. That is something that you can't miss out on. But another concern is not only what you just laid out there in terms of he's the, he might be, uh, you know, his talent level compared to the rest of this team is a significant gap. So teams are going to focus in on him. The other problem is they lost, I think it's three offensive linemen, two of them to retirement, and then they traded their left tackle to move up to the 12th pick. That is very difficult to ask a team to replace. And if LaShawn McCoy is going to get the ball 300-plus times, great. Does it matter if he's running into two defensive tackles every single play? Not really. I mean, all your points are valid. They're all valid. I think in a perfect world where we have plenty of running backs, you drop them even further. You know, I'm, uh, as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm wondering, I have, like I said, I have a 12th overall. Can I put him below Jordan Howard? Uh, I don't, maybe, you know, but Howard was a guy who disappointed last year. McKinnon, I have some issues. With McCaffrey, he's got so many other problems not getting touchdowns. Joe Mixon's got the same offensive line issues. Derrick Henry has Deion Lewis, and you go on and on and on. But that just shows your running backs. After the first, what? Gurley, Bell, Elliott Johnson, Kamara, Barkley, Hunt, Gordon, Fournette. Maybe I'll give you a cook. After those 10, everyone has an issue. Mm. Everyone has a wart that you've got to deal with. You've got to pick your best wart. What wart, you know, what wart or negative, whatever you want to call it, what, what can you deal with? What makes you feel, I guess, the most comfortable or the least, you know, awkward about dealing with these guys? Yeah. Every one of them is going to have an issue. I, absolutely. I, I the talent is still there with Shady. And if you promise me 16 games, uh, then I might make the argument that he is closer to the Gurley Bell, Zeke Johnson tier than the Cook, Hunt, McCaffrey tier. I might make that argument if you promise me the 16 games. I'm a little worried about it. Maybe, maybe, I'm, over, maybe I'm a little too concerned. But, I, but I, I, there is just worry there because that offensive line. I mean, they too... Their center and their guard retired. They traded their left tackle. I don't know how they were in the position to do that, but that's the move that they made. And again, as you mentioned, George, if you look around this team, Charles Clay is a good player. Aside from that, Kelvin Benjamin, I mean, Zay Jones is a complete mess. He didn't even make your top 100, and I don't blame you for a second. We talked to Ryan Talbot, beats a beat reporter for the Bills, and... He was like, listen, not only is this guy going to come off rust, he has no chemistry with any of these quarterbacks aside from Nathan Peterman. Yikes. So you can't be excited about that. And then, what, are you going to sell me on these quarterbacks? Josh Allen was the guy we had, we heard the most concern about of any of these rookie quarterbacks. Nathan Peterman somehow managed to play two games and was an outright laughing stock in this league for what he did in that game against the Chargers. And it was only right that he finished that game off against Jacksonville with a pick, almost a pick six. And A.J. McCarron, is that what we're going to you know, sell the dreams on? And he clearly hasn't impressed enough to a level where he's been the clear-cut, they know he's going to be the starter. So it's a complete mess in Buffalo. 
And I think that's maybe the bigger concern with LaShawn McCoy is do you want your first-round pick or your second-round pick coming from a team like the Buffalo Bills? Interesting. Interesting when you look at it that way. Um, I think it was any other position other than running back, you're probably right. Yeah. The fact that there just aren't enough running backs. I mean, listen, uh, I'm not saying I should take LaShawn McCoy. I have, have as a, what, 12th overall running back. So he has a a running back one. Doesn't mean you have to take him in the second round. Maybe he needs a fall to a third round for you. Maybe because of everything you're you're worried about, maybe you do like uh, like someone else's warts better. You know, maybe you, like I said, you keep on going down. Maybe like Darius Geis, a guy who I, I, I like Darius Geis a lot. I think he has some issues as well, but I like him a lot in that Washington offense. Alex Smith, I think the offense is better. I think Geis is a true running back. Does have Chris Thompson to worry about on third downs, but that's really the only worry there. Geis going to be given every chance. So if you wanted to wait, you know, you, let's say you have the last pick in uh, in round three, you end up taking, I don't know, not the last pick, a late pick in round three, you take a wide receiver. You could maybe gamble you get Geis four or five picks later. Yeah. You know, I have no problem doing that. McCoy does have enough worry. The team has got some issues. It's unbelievable they made the playoffs last year, which may actually tell you more about the AFC than anything else. But uh, and I'm glad for Buffalo Bills fans. I'm glad you uh, broke that drought because it may be a while before you see the playoffs again. <laughs> I think that that is a very, very fair assessment. Anybody in this wide receiver group that you find interesting? Because, again, as we were looking through it, Kelvin Benjamin is is going to get drafted in – a reasonable range because of the expected volume. The one thing I offer to that concern is this is one of the teams with the fewest uh, passing attempts year in and year out. And I can't imagine that that strategy changes because it's not Tyrod Taylor. We can say, uh, you can say that Tyrod Taylor was a game manager, uh, was a guy who wanted to run more than throw, if, whatever you want to say. I, that doesn't matter. The plan is not for A.J. McCarron or Josh Allen or Nathan Peterman to throw the football 30 times a game. So, you know, are, are you in on Kelvin Benjamin because you think the volume's there? I, I'm not even going to address St. Jones. You didn't have him in your top 100, and I don't blame you for, for a second. So uh, can you get excited about a Kelvin Benjamin? Can I get excited? No. No. I mean, Kel- listen, it isn't, it's not a knock on Kelvin Benjamin, but yeah. he's not a number one. He's not a number one NFL wide receiver. Certainly not a number one fantasy wide receiver. He's more of a possession guy, big body guy, good in the end zone. Could go up and get the ball. Get that large wingspan, so the throw doesn't have to be perfect. You know, he'll, he'll go get it, which is why he was, why he was good with Cam, because Cam, Lord knows Cam's accuracy is not very good. But how many chances going to get in the end zone with him? You know, how yeah. many how are you going to get? This is a rebuilding offensive team, and by the time, by the way, the offensive rebuilds, they'll need a running back. Man, and that's, that's a really good well. point, something George. We something we didn't even bring up with uh, McCoy is Chris Ivory the goal line back now. Oh gosh, I the hope bigger not. body save some wear and tear on him. I you know, they went know. away from that last year. They gave it to McCoy, but you wonder now that they, they go back to that. We brought in Ivory, guy with some talent of his own. He could, at the very least, be a short yardage guy, save wear and tear. That can knock McCoy down. Man, if, if I wasn't already concerned enough about McCoy, <laughs> thanks, George. And honestly, though, to what you just said there about Kelvin Benjamin, sure, great red zone target. How many times are they going to get to the red zone? Who cares? I, I think that that's a fantastic point. Uh, really, I guess the last guy left of this bunch would be Charles Clay. And I got to be honest with you, of all of these guys, not Sean McCoy not included, um, I th- look, I think I might take Charles Clay uh, before I would take Zay Jones. Like, and we know the value on tight ends relative to wide receivers, but I think I'd probably rather have Charles Clay, uh, even at the exact same position, because he's, he's got talent, at least, I would say. No? Charles Clay had a very nice rapport with... Uh... Tyrod Taylor. That's now, true. we don't know what's going to happen with any of these new quarterbacks. But Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor used him in the red zone all the time. He's like his number one target. So uh, I had Charles Clay on a couple of my teams last year because, and the year before that, for that matter, because of that reason. You know, if you're going to wait forever on a tight end, your tight end was hurt, Clay was a nice pickup. Or maybe even a bye week filler, whatever it might be. Do I want Charles Clay starting for me this year? No. Mainly because, like I said, we don't know. You don't know how it's going to look there. What the, uh, I mean, let's just say, pick a quarterback. Who's going to start here? We're going to go with the rookie? All right, we'll go with the rookie. Yeah. All right, let, let's say Josh Allen starts here. You have no idea what kind of rapport he has with Clay or anybody else for that matter. Uh, generally, I do believe young quarterbacks like their tight ends because they're the big target close to the line of scrimmage, easy to get the ball to. You know, if they're nervous about getting hit, the rush is coming, all this other stuff, easy to get the ball to. But still, I, I, don't, I can't have Charles Clay in my top 12. You know, so as a tight end one, who am I taking out? 
I mean, you look at my bottom three right now is Jordan Reed, Doyle, and Eifert. <coughs> I understand about Reed. We're all scared for uh, the life out of him. But I would take I have Kittle at 13. He's someone I would take before I would take Charles Clay. You know, David Njoku is another young tight end I'm, I'm high on. I think he's going to have a nice season. I would take him before Charles Clay. You know, O.J. Howard's in this range as well, but who the hell knows what's going on there? No, uh, no Mr. Winston, Fitzpatrick, the first couple of games there, and then you got Cameron Braid as well. So I, I can't see a way where I could sneak Charles Clay into, my, into the tight end one category. Well, look, here's another problem. This is my favorite part of Buffalo. Actually, I should have I mentioned this sooner. They have the toughest start to the season of anybody uh, in football. They go at Baltimore, home versus the Chargers, at Minnesota, at Green Bay, home versus the Titans, and at the Texans, week seven, you can say, oh, they get a break. They go to Indianapolis. And then week eight, congratulations, here's the Patriots on Monday Night Football. I mean, George, can I, can I, wow. I can't find, there's no way they're getting three wins. If they get two, I might be impressed. And I'm not ruling out 0-8. I'm just not going to rule it out. Because those eight games, there's only one team that's in the same tier as them. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. And it's a road game. So... And if Andrew Luck comes back, I mean, they could be significant underdogs in every single one of those games. And if a team gets off to it, I mean, 0-8's drastic. Let's just say they're 2-6. and six. That still gets very messy. Especially if they enter the season and say, Josh Allen won the job, this is great, our rookie's ready to go. Boy, oh boy, how's that going to look if he starts the year 0-6, and 1-5? And I wonder if you have to take that into consideration but when you start these guys. I think you do. I wonder if that's a reason why maybe, maybe Josh Allen doesn't start from week one. Because you know they've seen the schedule too, I'm sure. And you're going, oh, crap. You know, where's the win coming from? You know, we have no chance. I mean, I, I like to think most coaches are realistic. They may not say it in front of the team. <laughs> but, in, you know, they're all, oh, God, loss, 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 no? maybe, loss, loss, destruction, <laughs> loss. I mean, <laughs> I... And I, I think that does have to play a part in it. it sure you, know, you don't want to lose your young guy. You don't want to lose his confidence, right? So maybe, therefore, you do start with Karen. You know, maybe that's why Peterman's been played up. You know, let him be the sacrificial lamb here. But the fans are going to get all over. Because, you know, the fans are generally unrealistic. And they, uh, they oh, we made the playoffs last year. We're a good team. You know, no, huh. you're not. You weren't, weren't a good team last year either. Uh, so that's going to be a problem there. But I, you do wonder that if that alone pushes – you know, uh, McCarron, it's a starting job. Well, Peterman, for that matter. I, I think it's a starting job to avoid that. I think it should. Look, I, I know that, you know, you could say that this is a little heartless. Let McCarron be your scapegoat. Just, you, you paid him enough money to where him starting should make some sense. Let him go out there and take the bumps and bruises. Because, listen, even if Josh Allen looks like the best guy, what have we just talked about this whole entire segment? The receiving core is rough. How good is the report going to be with Charles Clay? And they lost three starters off of their offensive line. Is that really what you want to carry into the start? And funny enough, George, I typically like to say, all right, who do they play after the bye week? Coming off the bye week, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm out on that as well. So just through the first 12 weeks of the season, six to McCarron, six to Nathan Peterman, and then I will maybe in week 13 when they go to Miami or week 14, their home versus the Jets then maybe I go to Josh Allen because he's already the guy that everybody spoke about with the most concerns. It's upside, but it's a project. So I think they would be crazy to throw him to the Wolves, the Ravens, the Chargers, the, the Vikings. It doesn't even see week four. I don't know about that. We come back to Miami. Dolphins got a lot of question marks surrounding that team. So we'll see how many of those answers we can get to those questions next year on Fantasy Football Frenzy. 